Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. I'm Dave Lorenzo, and today we have exactly what you've been asking for. That's right. I have been beating you up, those of you who are regular listeners, about getting into podcasting for the longest time. As you know, this is my fourth iteration of podcasting, and I think, I think I finally figured it out to the point where it's working for me in my business. It's not intrusive in my life. It's something I actually enjoy doing. I've developed a lot of great relationships doing it, but I don't want you to believe me. Today, we have the godfather of podcasting. That's right. We have the founder of Podmatch, Alex Sanfilippo on the show. So if you've ever thought of hosting a podcast or guesting on a podcast as a means to get the word out, build your brand, and maybe even attract some clients, this is the show for you. So Alex is the guy who is going to give us the inside BS about podcasting. You know, what makes him an expert? Well, he hosts his own show, and the title of the show is Creating a Brand. I want you to go to iTunes right now, go to Spotify, wherever you get your shows, listen to an episode. If you like it, I want you to subscribe. If you really like it, I want you to leave a review because Creating a Brand is in Apple's top 20 podcasts for entrepreneurship. So I'm not going to spend any more time talking about him. We're going to hear from him. He's going to spill all the insider BS for us today on podcasting. Please join me in welcoming Alex Sanfilippo to the Inside BS Show. Alex, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Dave, glad to be here, man. Thank you so much. All right. So I, we got to start with uh, you, and I, and I think I got this right. You went from a career in aerospace into podcasting. All right. So you're not sending rockets to the moon anymore. What? So how do you go? How does somebody go from all that complicated stuff into podcasting? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And quick side note here, I never went to space. I've never jumped out of an airplane. I wasn't a fighter pilot. Everyone assumes when they hear me mention aerospace, like, oh my gosh, you've been to space. Like how many times? I've never been to space. I, I work behind computers. Um, but anyway, great career. I really enjoyed it. After 15 years, uh, I had been in podcasting for a few years. So like the last three years of my aerospace career, I was also doing the side hustle of podcasting. And it was something that just continued to grow. I started speaking at the conferences and just realized that I actually really had a passion for podcasting. And I just decided to start pursuing it full time and really going after as I was beginning to be able to to monetize it and things like that. It was a bittersweet move for me because, again, after 15 years, I really enjoyed that industry. But I just knew I really wanted to pursue this this passion. And I started seeing some some profit coming from it. And I was I just decided to flip that switch and, and give it a shot. All right. So talk about the beginning of your journey in podcasting, because you're obviously you're super successful at podcasting now, a top 20 show on iTunes. It's not that's not easy. And I don't want our audience to think that you wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing and I'm going to have a top 20 show in you know a week or a month or even six months. So t- take us back to the beginning when you first started Talk about some of the bumps you hit in the road and how you overcame them, because I think that will inspire people who right now are trying to figure out what their show should be. Yeah, you know, I'll mention this because a lot of people think that, wow, Alex just like hit it right. I got into podcasting five years ago and the first podcast I did totally bombed. It completely failed, did not work, didn't go well. Um, I think I did 12 episodes, if I remember correctly. And at that point, I was just like, okay, I'm done. I think me and my mom are listening. And that's about it, you know, like, and that that's a realistic example of podcasting. I'll get into some of those stats in a little bit here. But when I when I came back, and I decided it was about six months later, I, I said, Okay, you know, what? I'm going to do this again, but I'm going to do this the right way. 
instead of just trying to guess what I need to do, I'm going to actually start researching people that have done it success, successfully. And there's a lot of great podcasts out there. Like these hosts out here, some of them are amazing. I mean, they've been doing it for like 15 and 20 years. Mm-hmm. And these guys, like they really know how it's done. Um, I mean, you've even, I know, changed your show a couple times as well and improved over time. And like now you have a great system down. That's what it's all about, right? Building the system. So when I started creating a brand, I knew that I, I had a a niche that I really wanted to focus on, which it was less conversational, more masterclass style for people that are getting into business, entrepreneurship, they have a side hustle, a startup, and they want to make that first or next step in their business the right one. I wanted somebody to talk to them who had kind of been there, done that, and just to share some actionable steps. So it wasn't necessarily like, hey, where did you go to school? What's your favorite color? And there's nothing wrong with those podcasts. Actually, those are sometimes more fun to listen to. Mine is more like, hey, give us three ways to do what you've done and make it really actionable so we can do something about it today. And that was kind of the flow of it. And it was just a, a kind of a niche that I didn't see other people getting into. And I couldn't find the podcast. So I was like, I'll, I'll make this one and I'll give it a shot. So that's kind of what got my start into it. And I committed, unlike previously, that first podcast I did, I was like, I'm just going to try this and see how it works. This time I said, I'm going to do it for one year. So that'd be 52 episodes. And if I hate it after that one year, I will stop. But I'm going to give it 110% of my effort in this first year to see what happens with it. And it ended up doing really well. Yeah, you. So a couple of things you brought up there that I want to highlight for for the folks who are who are listening or who are watching. Uh, the first thing is the the giving yourself permission to change if it doesn't work for you or it doesn't work for the audience. I I started a show. I did a show like six years ago, and I loved doing it, but nobody listened, and I felt like a miserable failure, so I stopped doing it. And then like three years after that, I realized, hey, listen, I really loved doing that that show. I stopped because nobody was listening. Why didn't I just try and figure it out? So what I, you know, I at the time I was pushing a new book and my agent was like, you really need to do a podcast because, you know, publishers love people who do podcasts because they think it sells books. And I said, all right. So I did a podcast and I named it after the title of the book and I we got a little bit of traction. I was bringing on guests, but this is before the days of Podmatch. It was hard to find guests for the show. I was spending right. two or three, sometimes even five hours a week trying to find guests. And I thought to myself, this is a full-time job. I, I have a full-time job. I don't want to do this. So I stopped again. And then a year and a half later, all my friends were saying, hey, podcasting is huge. You know, you're a great speaker. You should do a podcast. So I did a third podcast. And that became what now is this show. I did it based on sales. And for me, it was, you know, I'm a sales guy. I love sales, but it was too mm-hmm. much sales. So I thought to myself, how can I do something that I enjoy and do something that my audience wants to hear? And in December of last year, December of 2020, I thought, well, listen, I don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. I think I'm going to probably be able to be, you know, in my home studio, which I built specifically for this purpose and for the purpose of doing, you know, training over Zoom. I think I'm going to be here for at least six months. I'll commit to doing a show every day for a year. And here's my commitment. I'll do three days a week that I think the audience wants to hear where I teach stuff. And then the other four days a week will be just for me. I'm going to talk to people I really like. I'm going to ask them questions that I want to know the answers to. And I want to take them inside everybody's business because that's my deal. I like to stick my nose in other people's businesses. Well, guess what? Everybody else likes that too. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so that's why, and this show now, I thought it was going to be a huge burden to do it every day, but 
What happens is once you get momentum, people find you. And using services like Podmatch, it's easier to find guests. And now mm -hmm. I'm, I find that I'm turning away. I have seven guests a week, no problem. And I'm turning away one or two people because they're each week because they're not a good fit. And the momentum, it's only been two months of 2021. The momentum is just, is just building from here. So look, the bottom line for me, and I think you highlighted this in your answer, is if you enjoy it, and you get something out of it, and one person listening gets something out of it, just stay committed. Even if you're doing it once a month, twice a month, stay committed to it, and you'll get better as you go along. Alex, talk about some of the, some of the things that were an issue when you first started, and talk about how you overcame them. Yeah. First off, I want to mention that you've, you're doing a really great job with this. I actually was listening uh, earlier to an episode you did with Dr. Kelly Henry, I believe was the name, an old chiropractor that went customer service. Super good episode. I mean, you're doing a good job with this. So keep it up. Thank I mean, you. I hope I that you don't it. hit six months and decide you're, you're done. I hope that you keep it no, going long term because you've got I'm, some good stuff here. I'm committed. I mean, it's, it's resulted in, uh, in two months, it's resulted in new business for me. But more importantly, I it's resulted in there were a couple of episodes where people gave me an idea and I latched on to that idea and and the idea has been transformative. I, I just hired a brand new bookkeeper from an episode I did with a guy named Sid Clevenger uh, a month ago. And Sid told me about this great bookkeeper who he's you know, he's using and he's promoting her because she helped him get PPP money. So we had trouble getting PPP money. So I, after the episode, I reached out to Sid and I said, hey, can you hook me up with your bookkeeper? I'll pay her to help me apply for, for uh, the second round of PPP. She offered to do it for free. And she was so detail-oriented that we hired her to be our bookkeeper and I don't have to do my own payroll anymore. It's amazing. That's nice. <laughs> so, And that came from the podcast. That's just one of probably three or four really good ideas that I've gotten. So even if... I, you know, I would, even if I didn't get any business from this, the ideas that come from connecting with other really smart mm -hmm. business people are phenomenal. All right. So I interrupted you. What, let's start with some bumps you hit in the road and how you overcame them. Yeah. So the first one I, I ran into is realizing that podcasting is a ton of work. I mean, and you know that, like you get it down to a system. Yes. But initially when you launch, it's kind of you don't know what you're doing yet, right? I mean, there's no real way to tell. You're like, okay, I know I need to do an interview, whether with me or somebody else. I probably need some gear of some sort. I, I probably need this. I need a, a way to post it on on iTunes and mm -hmm. on uh, on Spotify and wherever else I want to, to post, right? So there's all this research that goes into it up front, which I spent way too much time doing. I think that was one of my big problems. I launched the show now. I say this six months later than I should have, because when I started the whole process. I just didn't have an idea of what I was doing. But if, if I could go back, I would have launched it six months earlier because I'd be six months further along, right? That's kind of the idea behind it. So I think the first thing is the amount of of wisdom you have to gain before you can actually launch, right? Like you have to learn a lot at one time. And now that I look back then, even this was only years ago, but there wasn't as many resources available as there are now. I mean, now you can Google most of this stuff and find somebody that's like an influence in the space that you can just listen to and kind of digest all their information. And they'll say the same thing I'm saying, like, hey, here's 10 things I did wrong. Here's what you should do instead. So for me, the first thing I had to overcome was the the vast increase of knowledge I needed to have in order to get started. And now I look back and it's pretty simple. Like it, it wasn't that much. It just seemed like it was all so new. So I think the first thing that everyone runs into is the feeling of overwhelm right when they're getting started. They feel like, okay, this is going to be a ton of work. It's going to cost me a lot of money. I remember the first time I had a conversation with somebody, I asked them if I was going to need to, I, I, I thought I was going to need to spend $5,000 on gear to get started. Mm. 
And the guy just kind of laughed. I'm like, what? He goes, you could probably spend $120 and have a setup that would sound just as good to you who's inexperienced versus $5,000. It's not going to make that much of a difference. Which that to me, I was like, oh, okay. I thought I was going to spend a lot of money here. So there's a lot of misconceptions around it a lot. It's just because it's new. It's it's scary. But my thing is find somebody that really does well and that you like. You like their sound. You like their podcast. I mean, Dave is one of those guys, right? Like, look at what he's doing and just ask. Be like, hey, I'd love to share some of your content. Do you mind just telling me where you got your gear from mm-hmm. or like how you keep things moving? That's a, a good place to start. But I'd say it's the very first thing that, that scared me a lot was the amount that I had to learn really fast in order to get the thing launched. Yeah, you know, the the thing that was most daunting for me, I think, was the editing process. And I thought to myself, I'm going to edit out all the uhs and ums and I'm going to edit out, you know, sections that I don't like. Well, forcing myself to go to a daily show, uh, I had to, I had to come up with a system so that I could streamline that whole process. And the system that I came up with was no editing. Basically, uh, it's like what the way I view this is I just invited you over to my place and we're having a cup of coffee and we're just two guys talking about, you know, today we're talking about podcasting over a cup of coffee. And, you know, if I make a mistake, I make a mistake. It, people are going to hear it and they're going to realize I'm human and it's, you know, there'll be another show tomorrow. I have a chance to redeem myself mm-hmm. tomorrow. So, <laughs> right. Dave, by the way, your coffee is terrible. I just have to say that. <laughs> well, I mean, I brewed it at 6 a.m., you know, so you, oh, okay. it was all, all right. <laughs> um, all right. So talk about the, you know, overcoming the technical issues. That's kind of easy, right? If somebody reached yep. out to me, I have a checklist that I use for each show. So if somebody reached out to me, I'd send them the checklist and I'd say, this is how you start your show. These are the things you need to do. Now, I also have a list that I keep for my clients of the gear that I use, but I, I, I have you know advanced gear, which is the stuff that I'm using now, and then I have mm-hmm. gear that I used when I started, right? I started, I started with a, a $50 microphone, and I recorded right into either Audacity or Pro Tools on a, on a laptop. You know, now I go through a mixer, I have a $300 microphone, but I do a show every day. So you, right. those of you starting, you don't need the advanced gear. My counsel to my clients is, Get the advanced gear after you've done it for six months or you've done it for a year. You know, you got to realize that your first two or three months, especially if you're doing one show a week, you can make all the mistakes you want. And it's only going to be the five or six people who are closest to you who are going to notice those mistakes. You know, down the road, when you have people who comment on every episode, you know, if you make a mistake, then it's still not a big deal. But at, at least in the beginning, you're making it's like doing comedy. You, you know, the first time you go up at an open mic, you're going to make a fool out of yourself in front of 10 drunks and three other comics. Nobody cares. Right. <laughs> talk about talk about how you found your voice, Alex, with your show, because everybody's show, regardless of whether they're good or whether they're terrible, everybody has a unique voice. And that's the thing that makes podcasting interesting is it is like talking to a bunch of different people. How did you eventually find your voice, find your style for your show? Yeah, it actually kind of goes into a second problem that I'll mention. I'll kind of segue into into how I found my voice. But kind of the next thing I struggled with after I overcame the gear, how to edit all these different things, right? Like I overcame that and anybody can, like you're saying, it's actually not that difficult. It just seems daunting when you get started. But after that, the next thing I was fighting was perfectionism. 
And it started with, okay, I need a website, I need uh, a Facebook, I need an Instagram, I need a LinkedIn, I need a YouTube, now I need TikTok apparently, Clubhouse, you know, like all these different things that we all kind of assume we need. And then the branding has to be perfect on all of them. I have to have like a social strategy. Here's the thing, if you wanna start a podcast, start a podcast. Mm -hmm. If you wanna start a social media channel, start a social media channel. They don't have to be connected. And that's something if I could go back, I would just not even have social channels for any of those things. I would just use my personal ones. And I've seen a lot of the bigger names in podcasting, that's what they do. Now, if you have a business, of course, like you want to keep it separate, but if it's just you starting a podcast, just keep it your own thing. And maybe you can grow into it if it, if it really takes off and things like that. But that's a big problem that I saw is like chasing perfection. And that's something that I did. And it translated directly into me finding my voice. The first few episodes I did, I'll be real, I, I posted all the episodes. You can go back to my very first one. I think it was called Going From Dreamer to High Achiever. And I was actually the guest on it. I listened to it now. I'm like, man, Alex, like, could you say um one more time? You know, like, could you could you say that one more time? Could you repeat yourself five more times? Whatever. And the thing is, you have to start from somewhere and you don't develop your voice unless you use it. So if you're so focused on being perfect and trying to edit out every single um and, and anything you say that you don't like, it's, it's, it's never going to benefit you. You have to learn to just get better and it comes with the reps comes with consistency. Like Dave, you're a great podcaster. You do it every day. So I kind of have an expectation that you would be a good podcaster, you know, like that kind of comes with the territory. Somebody who does it weekly or monthly, it's going to take a little bit longer. So for me, it took about six months, I'd say. Um, and I was doing an episode once a week. So for me, it was 20 some odd episodes, like 26 episodes before I really felt like I was establishing and finding that voice. But the only way to find it is to actually start using it. And that's, that's the best way that you can do it. And of course, being truthful to yourself throughout it, like don't be somebody you're not. Um, you have to be yourself on podcasts, especially if you're hosting guests or if it's just you talking, it's, it's all gonna come again from those reps and it's gonna be uncomfortable at first. I mean, hitting publish on that first episode you do, you don't even wanna share it necessarily. I mean, I did because I knew I was supposed to, but initially I'm like, man, I don't sound that great. But here's the thing, you're gonna be more critical than anyone else's of you. When people hear you, they're not going to hear all those imperfections that you hear. They're going to hear, wow, this guy's really trying to add some value. Like he shared some great things in here. There wasn't a single person aside from like my absolute inner circle that said anything negative about my first few episodes. I asked those guys that are really close to me. I said, how can I improve? Please help me get better. And they're, they're very gracious. Like it's a really good episode. Try not to say this as much. Try to go this way. Try to be more concise with your answers. These type of things are how I learned and got better is having that inner circle. But in general, people really love what I was sharing. And it was just a matter of overcoming that fear of perfection and just the fear of, of not sounding great, I guess. And 20 some odd episodes later, I'd like to believe I have a good voice at this point. Yeah, no, I think I think you do. And I think you have the numbers to prove it. Talk about, speaking of numbers, talk about how popular podcasting is right now. I, I saw a statistic, now I don't know if this is true or not, but something along the lines of like 70% of Americans who are, who are you know, in the workforce of working age and older uh, know what podcasting is and have listened to at least one podcast episode. Is that, is that, a, is that right? You know, I'm not exactly sure if that's right. I know it's very close. And I'm glad you asked this, Dave, because I think there's a lot of uh, misconception around podcasting stats in general and who's listening. I know that it is more than 50% listen to podcasts of, of people under the age of 60 in the United States. And that's not even counting the rest of the world. I don't know what that looks like. But regardless, there are a lot of people that are listening to podcasts and it is growing. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's closer to 70% now. Again, those stats until like one of the big names post it, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I imagine that's probably right on. But 
right now people are always talking about how oh podcasting is starting to get saturated because there's so many people listening people are making new shows and yes actually by the time we're airing this there's we're about to hit 1.9 million podcasts but here's the thing that people don't realize about that yes 1.9 million is the top line level of podcast but when you really dive into the analytics to look at like active versus inactive podcasts out of all those 1.9 million only 38 percent of them are actually active so that's like 700,000 uh, it's yeah, 38%, I believe is what it is. And so like there's 700,000 podcasts are considered active. And then if you look at active podcasts with more than 10 episodes, so podcasts that have been around, they have more than 10 episodes, it's under 400,000, which that's not really that much. And when you compare the amount of people that are starting to listen to podcasts, so this is new listeners, listenership is growing faster than shows are getting started that are actually producing content. Mm -hmm. Again, there's 1.9 million shows. Yes but they're not all producing content. There's actually only, there's less than 400,000. And as a matter of fact, that number hasn't increased in the last six months at all, which means people are starting them, doing some episodes and then falling off. Mm -hmm. So for me, it, it's showing that there is a lot of room to continue to grow as a podcaster because listeners are showing up faster than more podcasts are, which that to me is, that's a great recipe for somewhere that you can really build some traction in. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stats in podcasting that are interesting. Another thing that, that might be really curious to a lot of people is that, and Forbes did this report, and I don't know how they got this information. You know, all this this podcasting stuff is interesting. Most stats on anything uh, online is is kind of to be taken with a grain of salt, I suppose. But Forbes, I'd like to think, is a trusted uh, advisor, and they say the average income of podcast listeners is seventy five thousand dollars a year, which that's pretty good. Like it's some people that have money, and that's why a lot of people turn into clients that listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're people that want to better themselves. The people in the business space that are listening are usually higher up in business and they're trying to make themselves better and they're willing to invest in that if that's something they can find. So those are some interesting things I've learned about podcasting that I, I think a lot of people just don't know. So they're trying to get into it, but they're not really realizing the full potential that's, that's involved. So everybody thinks, at least the people I talk to, I shouldn't say everybody, but people, the people I talk to think, oh, you know, it's only a bunch of kids who are, you know, who are uh, going to college or at a skate park hmm. with their headphones in, uh, you know, they got their cool Beats headphones and they're, and they're at a skate park and they're listening to Joe Rogan or they're listening to, you know, some cool hip uh, podcast, but those are the only people who listen to podcasts. That, that's not true. I, you know, I, I work with really very straight laced, button down professionals as well as entrepreneurs. And, you know, I have to say, if I took a survey of them, I bet you 80% of them have listened to or are continuing to listen to a podcast to help them learn and grow and be better. Some of them are listening to podcasts like Joe Rogan or some of these others for entertainment purposes. So it, I think part of the reason why podcasts are so popular is because we've come to expect our entertainment to be on demand now. So mm. even, you know, with video, uh, my kids are 12 and nine and they don't watch broadcast television anymore. We have, we have direct TV and every television in the house and we've got too many of them has an Amazon fire stick and they're always on the damn fire stick either with Netflix or YouTube or Twitch. So we've come as a society to expect our entertainment to be on demand and, you know, that's the aspect of podcasting that not only works for the listener, it can work for you. So let's say you're on the road six months a year and you can, you know, you do 20 episodes before you go on the road. You can schedule those so that you never miss a week. Talk about the flexibility of the platform and how it works for the podcaster as well as the listener. 
Yeah, so like you're saying, I mean, people are always looking to be entertained at this point. And as a matter of fact, this is a really interesting stat that Spotify shared towards the end of 2020. They found that listenership to music had leveled out for the last, it was like, I don't know, like three quarters in a row. Like no, not, no more people were listening to music, but podcasting was on the rise. And it's because we're more interested in entertainment than even music. Like not saying that music isn't great. Like we, we love it when we need to focus and things like that. But if I'm, and me personally, if I'm in the gym, or I'm going for a walk, or I'm driving somewhere, I throw in a podcast. Like, I'd rather better myself than just listen to music. And, and yes, if I'm focused on work, I love some music in the background, things like that. I don't want to hear somebody talking because it's going to distract me. But again, while I'm in the gym, while I'm driving, while I'm going for a walk, I like listening to podcasts. And more and more people are doing that because we live in this entertainment age, right? And entertainment doesn't necessarily just mean listening to the Joe Rogans of the world, although he's fantastic, or listening to something funny. It also means bettering yourself. Like, that's entertainment for me. I like to learn and grow, and a lot of people are like that. So that's, that's a really great point that you that you brought up there, and I think it's important to reinforce that. And uh, to the other side of your question, can you repeat it again? I want to make sure I actually really answer this this properly. Yeah, so how is, so how is uh, podcasting, the flexibility of it, good for the podcaster as well as the listener? Right, okay. So we covered the listener side. So the podcaster, there's a lot of things here I could mention, but I think what I'm really going to go with here is you're able to, through, I, I call it an SOP, a standard operating procedure for your podcast. If you have that set up and you have a checklist of here are the 20 or 30 things that I do every time I post an episode, you can do all that in advance. And all these platforms that do the hosting now, they let you schedule everything out. So example, I'm never less than 10 weeks ahead on my podcast. And I'm, I'm actually far further than that. I know at the point where I need to just take a break for a while because I'm so far ahead. But if I want to go take a three-week vacation, I can without having to think, oh man, I need a podcast episode. You know, I'm like, I, don't, I don't have to do that. I'm able to now just be like, okay, great. I'm good for the next 10, 12, 15 weeks, whatever it might be, and I can kind of take a break. Now, obviously, you don't want to let that dwindle down. You always want to be ahead. But at the same time, I'm able to do that. And there's so many tools out there for scheduling on social media as well. So a lot of people are like, well, what if you want to share it on your Facebook? Well, I use an app called Buffer that lets me schedule those as well. Mm -hmm. All of my content is done. I use that SOP, that standard operating procedure. My checklist is all checked off for the next 12 to 15 weeks right now. And that's a great place to be because you're able to schedule it out. And your audience never is like, oh, man, Alex didn't post an episode or Dave just must have fallen off, right? You're able to always have that stuff in the queue so that when they expect it to be there, example, I promise my audience every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. there will be a podcast episode there. There is always a podcast episode there every week for the last, I don't even know how many weeks at this point. It's been a long time, but it's always there. And that consistency has really been something that has separated me from other podcasters because I won't miss anything, but it's all in that advanced prep work that I do, making sure that I'm prepared, I'm ahead, and it makes podcasting much less daunting because when I first got started, I mean, Dave, you know, when you get started, it's hard to find guests because they don't know if they can trust you yet necessarily. And uh, when I was looking for those guests, I was like week to week at some points. And that's scary. Like mm. there's stress there involved because I'm like, I told them this this Tuesday, I want to be there for my audience. And it was tough to find. Now I'm in a place where I can kind of relax because I've been able to build systems around what I'm doing. And that's my recommendation to anyone getting into podcasting. When it's less stressful, you'll want to do it for longer. It stays fun if you don't feel like you're falling behind on it. Uh, so that that's a, a great point to bring up. I'm glad we talked about that. It's just an important thing. It's a discipline that we have to have internally to say, I'm going to get ahead and I'm, I'm going to keep it there. If you're in any business and your business relies on service, and I can't think of one business that doesn't except for maybe toilet paper manufacturing, right? If your business relies on service, the consistency you demonstrate in putting out a show, whether it's every other week, whether it's once a month, whether it's once a week, or like me, daily, that demonstrates to your clients that you're reliable and you, as you said, you can be trusted. 
So demonstrate your commitment to something. Like most of the people that I know are committed to something in their lives. They're committed to a good marriage. They're committed to being a good father or a mother. They're committed to going to the gym every day. But your clients can't see that. This is something your clients can see. And this leads me to the next thing I, I wanted to discuss with you. I was a big blogger and I built my business on the back of blogging every day. I started in 2008 and I literally blogged. I wrote something every day for like three years straight. Some of that led to writing books. I still write every day, but now my daily, the daily content that I share with the world is through podcasting. Talk about why, well, tell me if you think podcasting is better than blogging, it's more impactful than blogging these days and explain why. I think initially I want to say yes, but the, the truth of the matter is it's whatever your audience likes. I have a friend and she has done some podcasting, but she still blogs every day and her she has a million subscribers or more at this point. Last time her and wow. I talked, she had a million people that were reading her blog yeah. and uh, that's what they like to read. She said that it was not translating into the podcast. They wanted to read the blog and a lot of them, they were, they were moms drinking their morning coffee that wanted to quickly read a thousand word posts and that's what they like to do in the morning. And if that's, if that's the audience, then great. So there's no like, this is better than this necessarily. It all depends on the audience. I do think from a barrier to entry, it's a lot easier for me to hand someone a phone with a video of Dave talking, right? And saying, check out this video. He's about to share something really cool versus saying, hey, here's a 2000 word blog post that Dave wrote. You should really read this. <laughs> Most people are probably more inclined to be like, okay, I'll watch the five minute video right. that, that you told me to watch. So I, I kind of go toward podcasting. Yes, I can't say one's better than the other. Like you, I have a background in blogging. I still have a passion for it. I don't write near as much as I used to, or at least publicly, like I still write every day in a journal and things like that. But uh, I, I love both, so it's hard for me to say, but I do think that podcasting probably has a little bit more, a little bit more power right now. Well, the way I look at it is from a content creation standpoint, you and I are talking about podcasting, you know, we're, we're gonna talk for 45 minutes and we're gonna, we're gonna have such great, rich information if I wanted to convert it to a blog, I could do one of two things. I could go back and listen to the podcast and write about what we talked about, or I could have it transcribed and shape the transcript into first-person readable narrative and put it on my website and use it as a blog post. And you mentioned doing audio and video, although this is not a requirement. If you take the videos and they're, you know, these days broadcast quality videos are Zoom videos, right? If you watch the news, right. there's, you know, the reporters are in their houses, the correspondents, the, the contributors, they're all in their houses, the experts are in their houses and they're on Zoom. You've got broadcast quality right now. All you got to do is either whack it up yourself into 10 minute chunks throw it up on LinkedIn, whack it into one minute chunks. When Alex says something profound, we'll cut it into one minute, throw it up on Instagram and in the in your, in your bio, you'll put a, a link to the show so people can watch the whole show or listen to the whole show if they want. It's infinite content creation and you don't need any additional setup to do it. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's the Swiss army knife of marketing and content creation. Uh, that's, that's what I view podcasting as. You're, I think you're 100% right with that. And actually, just to add to that, repurposing content is like the the gold mine that's just not being not being harvested at all right now. Here's the thing: if you have video and audio, you can convert it into anything. I mean, you can make you could take a funny picture of us both doing something here, and then you got to repurpose that content. There's always people talking about, oh, it's so hard to keep up with content creation. If people could just learn how to be really good at repurposing the content they've already built, starting with audio and video, 
you have hundreds of pieces of content from one episode if you get really good at it. And obviously that can be a lot of work, but I know some people that have teams around this and they will literally build. I had one guy, he was on my podcast and off of my podcast, he just took his video when he was sharing things and, and asked if he could use it. They created, he said it was six months worth of content from the one episode we did. It was 45 minutes mm -hmm. and he was six months done. I was like, that's unbelievable sure. that someone figured out how to do that. He turned them into little posts. Like someone would, would just pull out his bullet points. Someone would take one minute video clips. They take five minute video clips, all these different things. And so repurposing content is great. And again, having a podcast, especially on the video side, it doesn't have to be, but having the video as well makes that really easy to do. And you can, you can take a lot of pressure off yourself to have to write or create something new because you can just continuously re repurpose this content time and time again. Yeah, our, our system with this show has been, and you know, it's a work in progress, so it may evolve over time. Our system with this show is the audio goes out as soon as possible. I try to get the audio out because I want the people who come on the show to be engaged. I try to get the audio out within two weeks, definitely if I can, if I can even within a week. Then I have, I have a team of people. I have a, a bunch of people that I hired who are freelancers or contractors. They edit the videos. It takes them a long time to edit the videos, particularly the social media videos, because there's different lengths. LinkedIn is under 10 minutes. Instagram's got to be a minute. So I want them to be super careful. I want them to put in the right branding. So it takes them about a month to get the video done. What we do then is we schedule out. You use Buffer. I use uh, so Sprout Social. Uh, Hootsuite mm -hmm. is another one. And we schedule it to go out on social throughout the course of a year or even more. But then the third thing we do, and we're taking uh, three months, we were creating a three-month window, we put the entire show, audio and video, along with the transcript on the website. And I'm now in the process of migrating it from my business website to its own website so that people can go and if you want to read the transcript or if you want to listen and read the transcript along with it, I'm giving them a place to do that. And I'm scheduling it out over time. I'm not dumping it all out there at once because I found that there are three different audiences. The, the video audience is different from the audience who listens. The people who read are completely different from the people who watch or who will listen. So I'm pleasing three different audiences and I'm doing it with an interview that I recorded in some cases three months ago or on social a year ago. And you can't do that with a blog post. I can't, you know, I write a blog post today, it goes up today, people read it, that's great, they can read it a year from now, that's fine. But I can't get multiple forms of media from a blog post. Right, no, that's, that's so smart. You're exactly right with everything you just said there. And having those different forms of content really separates you as an authority, I believe. And people think it's a lot of work. The, the biggest part of the work is, and, and I'm experiencing this right now because we're, uh, is interviewing the people and finding people you can trust to do the behind the scenes stuff. What I found is we're, we're in a constant state of interviews. And the reason we're in a constant state of interviews is because you know, you want more than one editor because the one person gets sick or they get a better job or they move to a different part of the world and there's no Internet access. You want more than one person who can manage your social media, you know, have a virtual assistant who does other stuff for you, but cross train them on doing the social media. So we're in a constant state of interviewing people from the Philippines, from India, from uh, I have one person from South America who speaks fantastic English, but you need to always have a stable of people who can do the behind the scenes stuff if you want to make this 
part of your overall marketing strategy. So along those lines, uh, Alex, talk about audio and video. What is, uh, you know, how do you, how, what do you recommend to people when it comes to their podcast? Do you recommend they try to do video too or just stick with audio when you first start? So me personally, I've, I still only do audio mm -hmm. and that's kind of been the, the area I've focused in. I've done a little bit of video to kind of test the waters, but it all goes back to knowing your audience. And when you're getting started, you have to define an avatar. So you just make an avatar, which is your most ideal listener. Determine who they are, where they're listening or watching, what they do for work, like really get specific about that. And that helps a lot. So for me, my avatar is somebody who is listening during their commute or while they're in the gym. So I knew from day one, I was like, okay, I don't need to do the video. I can start with just audio. And that's really worked well. And when I've tried video a few times, it hasn't done near as well mm. as my audio has. So I've just stuck with that. So it starts off with you knowing who's going to be listening, where you believe they're going to be. And if it's higher level stuff that you think an organization might sit down to listen to together, it might be better to have some video. Mm. But at the end of the day, they're, they're not created equal. And what I mean by that is you can't just assume that an audio podcast that sounds really good is going to translate really well into video, right? Like you're talking about you, your team does editing on this stuff, which it takes a little bit of time to do. And I, I do recommend that if you're going to do video, because you want it to be interesting and, and still be engaging as well. Have a good background like, like Dave does. If you're going to get into to video, I think that's an important thing to do. Because again, it just sets you up as an authority and shows, oh, I could watch this. It's more than just two people talking to produce an audio, uh, an, an audio file. It's actually, this is for the video. So those are kind of things to to think about, but also think about what you can what you can know what you know you can do. So for me, I knew I didn't have the capacity to do video. I didn't even have a webcam at that point, mm -hmm. like when I was getting started. Yeah. But I knew that I had the right gear as far as mic and, and things like that. So I started audio only, and I always tell people don't let it stop you. If you want to record video, there's a lot of really easy ways to do that now. Um, even just a few years ago, there wasn't as many. But yeah, you can get into both if you'd like to. But really, just determine okay who's going to be listening. And what do I have the capacity to, to do? And if you say I can only do one or the other, then do one or the other and focus on that one. Yeah, the important thing is don't let the the lack of capability in video hold you back. Start with just audio. If you want to jump into yep. video, you can jump into video later. And the the way I the way I look at it, there are you know there these days I I've done uh, I, I've done some guesting on shows, and we can talk about guesting in a few minutes. And I've I've discovered that there are people who use the phone. They use like freeconferencecall.com and they'll have me call in and they'll record their show on freeconferencecall.com. There are other people who use Skype, but they don't use the video aspect of Skype. They just use the audio. A lot of people use Zoom, Zencaster, all these other types of services, which getting the clarity and the quality of video is uh, is important but it shouldn't be something that holds you back zoom these days is just fine at some point people will knock up the standard they'll they'll kick it up a notch and you know you'll you know people will want to do something better but zoom is just fine if you if you want to if you want to do video uh alex talk about um frequency so what is the the you know should we should people start off doing it monthly weekly i mean i'm not advocating that other people do daily that you know like i do i i do it daily for a number of different reasons not necessary what do you feel is the right frequency for people yeah i'm glad you don't always tell everyone to do daily because most people are going to crash and burn no, in about four days not, you know so. I, I do it for a specific reason you don't have to be a lunatic like me so what is the what is the right <laughs> frequency alex you know, so first off, I say the, the, it needs to be at the level of consistency you can maintain is what I always tell people. Now, there have been some reports, some statistics that come out to say it shouldn't be less than weekly. Weekly would be kind of a minimum. 
I have a podcast, a second podcast. I don't really talk about it too much. It's just like a hobby thing for me. I've been doing it for four years now. And uh, I do that monthly. I do once a month and it does pretty well. And I'm, I'm happy with that. It's one 15 minute episode of me talking every month. I'm just kind of sharing my thoughts and things like that. And it's it's got a few hundred. I don't, I don't know how many listeners exactly. I don't really look at the stats on that. But regardless, I did that once a month because I knew that's all I could handle. So the first and foremost important thing that you can do is make sure that you're going to be consistent with whatever you say and tell your audience at the end of every episode I have, I say, I'll be back next week with another episode for you. And that's important. I knew that for me, when I got started, a week was all I could do. And this is interesting. I actually had the opportunity to, to speak with uh, John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneurs on Fire, mm-hmm. who, Dave, as you know, started off with a daily show. And that is how he grew, was by the daily show. Mm-hmm. He was the only person doing that at that time. And because of it, he he did what uh, James Altridge would call skip the line. Like, he didn't need to compete with anybody because he was in a totally different game than everyone else by doing it daily. And I'm not necessarily saying you do daily, but he and I were talking. And uh, he kind he of, I don't even know why we were on, the, on a call. It was totally random. And he kind of like leans back. He goes, you know what? I listened to your podcast. And I was like, uh-oh, like this guy listens to my show. And he's like, yeah, it's super good. And I was like, oh, thank you. And he goes, the only difference between you and me and our shows is that I've been doing this seven years longer than you. If you stay consistent for the next seven years, you'll be where I am today. And that was just like, to me, like really motivation because I'm like, man, this guy literally has millions of downloads every single week or month or whatever he has now. And he's telling me all I have to do is stay consistent with producing great content for my guests. And so that's the main thing I, I tell people is if you know you can't do every week, it can be only be bi-weekly, tell your audience bi-weekly. And if you end up doing weekly, great, they get a bonus. But don't ever overcommit and underdeliver because you're going to lose trust, a sense of trust with your listeners. And that's the worst thing you can do. So I always say aim for a week. Uh, once a week. I think that's a really important date. If you can do that and if you can do more, go for it. Like I'm getting ready to add a second day to creating a brand because I am pretty far ahead. Mm-hmm. And that's going to really help a lot. I think it's going to boost my, my listenership a lot. But initially, that here I am years after starting it, just now adding a second day because again, it goes back to my capacity. What can I handle? What can I stay consistent with? And I'm at the point now where I have the right systems in place, the right team in place where I know, okay, I can add this and it's not going to cause a lot of stress on me. It's not going to hurt the, the brand or anything like that. And I'm going to be able to do it long term. So same thing, I'm going to commit to a year of this of the second day. And if it goes good after a year, I will keep that going. And who knows, maybe I'll add a third day later as well. But what's important, again, consistency. I know I keep on repeating that, but make sure that you commit to a time that you know for sure you can do. Yeah, no, consistency is the key. And telling your audience what they can expect and when they can expect it is is really important, too. Those of you who you know are, are addicts of television, you'll remember, I mean, I think of when I think of this, I think of from the semi recent past, I think of the Sopranos, you know, every Sunday night, right? Originally at nine o'clock, and then they they moved it to 10 o'clock. It was like, okay, you know, when the Sopranos was out, even if it was a shorter season, you canceled your plans and Sunday night at nine, even though you could watch it on demand Sunday night at nine, you were in front of the TV because you wanted to see what was going on. Um, you know, in our house, we're big fans of Ray Donovan and, you know, Ray Donovan was the same thing. All right. Sunday night at nine on Showtime, wherever you are, Homeland, another one, Sunday night at eight or Sunday night at 10, they moved it to 10. All right. We got to, we got to be here at 10 o'clock on Sunday night. Cause we want to watch it right when it first comes out during the, during the pandemic, there are a handful of shows like Ozark when the pandemic first started, Netflix dumped out all the, all the Ozark shows, uh, that cause that's what they do. What did we do in our house? We said, okay, well, we want to we want to stretch this out because we want to have something to look forward to. So every Wednesday, you know, right after dinner, we're going to watch Ozark, you know, a different episode every week. So people love the consistency and they love being able to schedule their time. 
and they feel like they have a relationship with you. So, you know, when Alex's show comes out, people may say, all right, I got to, you know, I got to listen to Alex today. His new new episode came out and I'll listen to him while I'm walking the dog or I'll listen to him while I'm in the gym. There are other people who are like, I'm going to save the Alex episode for this week for Saturday afternoons because Saturday afternoon I drop my kid off at soccer and I want to sit on the sidelines and listen to Alex while my kid plays soccer. People are going to create their own schedules, so you have to tell them when the new episodes are coming out so they can pencil you into their lives. The more you think about this as a visit with a friend, the better off you're going to be because you wouldn't tell your friend, hey, I'm going to show up sometime this week, be home, right? You wouldn't do that. You would say, I'm going to show up Tuesday at 5. Are you going to be there? And they'll tell you, sure, I'm going to be there. All right, Alex, now I want to talk about something that is – Kind of controversial. Uh, I've said it before, and I, I'm interested in getting your opinion. I tell people, when you start your podcast, of course you're starting it because you want to, you know, you want to draw an audience. But your podcast can be successful even if nobody's listening. And here's the reason why: if you get the right guests on your show, if you interview people who you want to be your clients someday, you could have a successful show that nobody ever listens to because. You're going to be able to ask them questions and get answers from them about stuff that's going to lead you to become better at serving those clients. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, first off, I've had tens of thousands of dollars of free coaching by, by <laughs> just it, having certain guests on my show. You're 100% right. Oh, my God. You know, these yeah. people that would charge $1,000 an hour right. and they're spending an hour with me for free. And I'm asking them the questions that I'm really curious about. Uh, so, yes, absolutely to your point. I mean, just from that regard alone, like – I've gotten to sit with some of the greatest business minds. I've, I've always just dreamed. I've read their books. Like I've just dreamed of meeting them. And I get to actually listen to them share their information. So if no one ever hears it selfishly, I've, I've already won, right? And obviously, to the, the point is for me, I always, I always say this quote. I say, I don't seek to be a person of profit. I seek to be a person of value. So at the end of the day, I am seeking to add a value. I always think of my avatar. I want to make sure that, that individual, my most ideal listener, is getting information that they want. So I don't do it selfishly. But yeah, your podcast can be successful with a very small group of people listening. And this is kind of off your question here a little bit, but I think it's really important to talk about. We live in a social media world right now where we are driven by numbers. We are driven by that top level engagement in air quotes here, where it's like, ooh, 300 people saw my post. Oh, 3,000 people saw this. Oh, 30 people like this. 50 people like this. 700 people did, you know, engaged on this. Watch my video. These are things that we're all used to saying. I'm getting more followers, right? So this social media kind of uh, for lack of a better term, it, it's kind of changed our mindset about numbers and things like that. Podcasting is not like that. And let me explain it to you real quick. If you have 120 listeners, you are in the top 50% of all podcasts. And some people it's like, wow, that's not really that many people. But hold on, let me give you an example here. If 50 people like your post on Instagram, let's say, if it was me, chances are, and I'm not trying to be mean or rude, I might have just scrolled past and saw your name and be like, oh, I like everything that guy posts and then keep on going. I might not have even read it or looked at it. If you have 50 people listening to your podcast, it's the same thing as you stepping into a room and you walk onto a stage and there's 50 people sitting there listening to you for the next hour. That's the difference in power. It's the difference between scrolling past you and 50 people, 120 people, whatever it might be, sitting down, engaged, waiting for you to share something and they want to learn. That's what we know about podcast listeners. So podcasting is so powerful. And I think a lot of people get started. They're like, oh, I remember there's this one guy. He told me, he's like, there's only 500 people listening to my podcast every week. <laughs> and I was like, 500 people? I'm like, I'm, at, I'm like, if I put you in a room with 500 people every week, right. they show up to listen to you talk, right. would you show up? He's like, oh, are you kidding? Of course I would. I'm like, it's the same thing. They are listening to you wanting to learn. 
So I think that something we have to all think about, and it is a little bit off, off point here, but it's just so important, is even if you only have 20 or 30 people listening to your podcast, even if you have 10, is it worth it? Is it worth helping and impacting those people? I personally think yes. And for me, I'm willing to do a podcast if my one most ideal person hears it and it changes their life, then I'm willing to do it. So now I know I went off off path there no, a little no, bit. No, that's cu- perfect. That's absolutely perfect. I mean, I we you know we talk about speaking engagements, and I work with clients who say, "Listen, I want to do my own event, but the last time I hosted an event, only ten people showed up." And I say to them, "Did any of them become clients?" Yeah, five of them. So you converted fifty percent of your audience that's... into clients. Why aren't you doing this once a month or once a week? You're out of your <laughs> <Right>. mind. <laughs> that's what podcasting is. 100%. That is that is the best analogy. We are going to bookmark that and play that over and over again until people get the idea <laughs> that this is how you grow. You can use this to grow your business. So, all right, set aside the fact that people who are listening can and will become your clients. What are other monetization strategies from podcasting? And look, if you're in your first year of podcasting, I don't want you to think about anything Alex is going to say now until you get the hang of this. But once you build an audience, Alex, how do you monetize your podcast after that? Yeah, so the most popular way that people talk about is advertising. Everyone I talk to who's just getting started is like, oh, I'm going to go a year with no advertising and I'm going to get some advertisers on my show. And that's a great way to do it. But the truth is, there's not a lot of money in that right now. And, and it is increasing. So over time, that might become more and more valuable. But even the big names, I'll, I'll pick on John Lee Dumas again, because uh, I just referenced him on his website, eofire.com. He posts his previous month's income, like to a T, everything that he earned, every all of his expenses. He's got his CPA in there to leave comments on it. And when you look at it, he has millions of people listening to his podcast, and he makes less than 40 grand a month on advertising directly from his podcast. And that's what they're paying him. Now, whether he gets referrals and things like that, that's a different story. But the actual advertisers themselves, he has a million people listening. That's serious work to get to that level. And if you're really like, if you have a niche and you're really focused on something certain with your podcast, there might not even be a million people who ever want to hear it. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. But advertising is not the ultimate way to to do this, I don't think. And I I know that, again, that is the main way. But I kind of want to give people a different example here. The best thing you can do is some sort of lead generation from your podcast. And Dave, that's what you're really good at. Like you bring in leads through your podcast. You're not trying to be like, go buy this couch. It's the best couch you'll ever sit on. You know, it's more like, hey, here's what I do. I would love to work with you. And people hear you. By you having a podcast, they learn to know, like, and trust you. And people do business with who they know, like, and trust. And so it establishes you as an authority, establishes you some sort of influence in the space. So people are more inclined to work with you. So I always tell people, I think the best way to monetize a podcast and have some sort of sales funnel you can get them into. Start with something free. Like if I'm talking about productivity, a lot of my show, and I I don't, but let's just say I'm talking about productivity all the time. If I say, hey, I've got a one page PDF that I want to give you, go to my website, put in your email address. I'll email you this one page PDF. It'll give you 10 ways to be more productive today. You can work on it instantly. A lot of my listeners of our productivity show are going to do that. From there, I can do some upsells through email. I can get coaching clients through that. I can sell them on a course maybe or something like that, right? There's all these different things that you're able to do. I think that is far more powerful because you can work your way up to bigger ticket items. And again, you're selling it the same way you would just trying to sell a sofa through a 30-second commercial. It's the same type of thing. So on my podcast, I've always just done my own advertising for my own products. I'm saying, hey, go here check out this free course I designed. And from there, I'm able to upsell along the way. And I find that that brings in a lot more income. So that's that's a way to do it. The other thing I see people doing is they're actually working with their the guests that's on. So some people, they host a podcast 
as a, at an attempt to make their their guest actually become their customer. And I've seen a lot of people do this really, really successfully, where they're just basically having a normal interview. They're still sharing with everybody. It's adding a lot of value. But by the end of it, the person listening is saying, wow, you did a really good job and you're repurposing this into 30 pieces of content. How do you do that? And those individuals saying, well, I have this system. Here's like the, how I do it. You can buy this little course and it'll show you. And their guests that are on their show actually become their clients as well. So those are a couple ways there. I'm not going to talk about it too, too much more because I know I'm sharing a lot of information really fast. But those are some ways that I think that people can begin earning some revenue through podcasting. Yeah. And think about it for a moment. If you're if you're listening here today and this is where, again, I'm not telling you to do anything you're uncomfortable with uh, from a frequency standpoint. But for 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 my purposes, I can dedicate a whole day of the week to something. So you'll notice, I work with a lot of lawyers. You'll notice I interview a lawyer one day a week, right? I work with mm -hmm. other entrepreneurs and other professionals. So I got six other days of the week to talk to other entrepreneurs, other professionals. But I dedicate one day a week to talking about diversity and inclusiveness. Why? It's important to me. It's important to all of us that we uh, that we have diverse businesses, that we have businesses that are inclusive, that the business makeup is a mirror of the makeup of the community or the population of the community that it serves. So I dedicate one day to having conversations about diversity. And when I first started doing it, those were uncomfortable conversations for me as a white guy to ask people what I thought were really stupid questions about diversity. It turns out that everybody had those questions and they weren't stupid because other people were afraid to ask them too. So I can dedicate a whole day of the week to a show like that. I also dedicate a day of the week to taking people behind the scenes in what I do for a living. So I don't have to come out and say, hey, become my client. All I gotta do is do the uh, behind the scenes of the inner circle or behind the scenes with one of my private clients and people listen to that show and they're like, man, Dave helped this guy go from here to here. Maybe I should use him. So there are a hundred different ways, just like there are a hundred different ways to do a podcast. There are a hundred different ways to, to monetize a podcast. All right. So Alex, I want to, um, I want to spend the rest of our time together talking specifically about guests. And here's, as we get into the guest conversation, I want you to help me with something that really held me back. And we got to bust this myth right away. So when uh, my, recent, my most recent book, I had an agent who said, hey, you got to do a podcast. And here's the thing, Dave, nobody, you know, nobody wants to hear just you talk by yourself. And what I've discovered is through feedback from this show that they do want me talking by myself if I'm teaching them. You mentioned masterclass. I can teach one day a week and people will be completely fine with it, but I still need six other guests during the during the course of the week. What's your experience been? I mean, you do a solo podcast and you also do a podcast where you bring on guests. What is your experience with that? Yeah, so if you are going to do something that's a solo cast, I, I do think that it's great, but you have to share really precise information. You can't go off on tangents. You can't be like, oh, and yesterday I did this and my dog was barking and blah, 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 you know, like all these things that just kind of come out naturally, unless you have an audience for that. I do know one person who did that really well. For me, it is very fast information and I keep it really short. My, my episodes that I do on my solo podcast are between 10 and 15 minutes. And that's as long as they're ever going to be because that's about how long people can listen to one person without breaking it up. Mm -hmm. Now, I do prefer interview style. And here's the reason for that. The world we live in right now, and maybe it'll change again at some point, most people are kind of they're they're alone, right? They're just maybe with their immediate families or they don't really get out of their normal circle. 
they're longing for conversation. And when they feel like they can hear somebody having a conversation, it makes people subconsciously feel like that they're involved in it. Mm -hmm. So you and I talking is a lot more interesting than someone just hearing more words from somebody because they feel like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of part of this. And, and Dave is asking Alex really good questions that I would ask if I was there. So I feel like I'm really part of this. So for me, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the interview style. Again, solo is fine. Just be really short. You can do more episodes that way. If you're like, I have an hour of content to share. Great. Make it four different episodes instead of one episode. Make it four and break it up over a week or whatever it might be. But uh, both can work. You just have to do handle them very differently. You know, one of the one of the things that I, I benchmarked over over time when I was thinking about doing another show is I looked at people who are on TV who then had a podcast as uh, as an adjunct to their TV shows. So some of the talking heads on all the media outlets who pick your favorite media outlet, almost all of them have a podcast. And even though they do a TV show where they do a monologue or where they talk to the audience solo, they still bring on guests. And why do they do that? Well, for the points that you made and also hearing one voice over and over again has a hypnotic effect and people will just zone out after a while. You need the variance in tone because this person's running and while they're running in the gym, they're thinking of a hundred different things. All of a sudden that tone of voice changes and it snaps them out of it and they go, wait a minute, that was a really good point. And they hit, you know, back 15 seconds, back 15 seconds and they listen to that, you know, that segment again and they're like, man, that is a great idea. I found myself, the podcast that I listen to regularly, especially if I'm listening to them while I'm working out or exercising, I found myself going back and re-listening to stuff when I'm in the office because I want to take notes on something, particularly like during COVID. There was a, a Joe Rogan interviewed a, 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 you know, a functional medicine doctor who was talking about uh, natural ways to boost your immune system. And the guy gave out a whole protocol. I was listening to it in the gym and I'm like, crap, pause. I drove home right <laughs> away and I took all these notes. And, you know, people are going to do that with your show. Now, Alex, talk about guests. You have a service, Podmatch, which is fantastic. The guests you Thank hear you. on this show, probably five days a week, I'm getting my guests from Alex's service on Podmatch. Now, I'm aggressive. I go through, I mean, there's, how many how many people are members now? It seems like there's probably a thousand people on there. How many people do you have who have profiles on Podmatch? Because I, I, I don't see the same faces over and over again. I'm constantly seeing new faces. How many people are members now? Yeah, actually today we'll break 5,000, wow. which I'm really Holy so cow. excited about. Yeah, yesterday we, we hit a new record of, of onboards. We actually uh, averaged over like a three-day period, somebody averaged signing up every 10 minutes, which was really just, for us, it's exciting to watch because we're not actually doing any marketing or anything like that right now. We're using my podcast to do that. So more to that, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're using a podcast, a great way to do it. So it's all organic marketing and it's just working really well for us right now. But I, I really appreciate you saying about it. Like my, my day is now made. Like I can, I can hang in my hat and... Maybe watch Netflix the rest of the day. Who knows? Well, let me, so let me tell you how I use it. So here's here's what I do. First thing, I, I get up early in the morning. And the first thing I do when I get up in the morning after the coffee's ready is I sit down in front of my computer. And usually I'll have two or three new messages from people who want to be on the show. I'll review them. I'll either tell them yes or no. If I tell them yes, I send them the scheduling link and they and they opt into it. But I scroll through all the people I put in the search criteria. So I put I've put in diversity. I do I like to do shows on esports because I'm really into educating myself on that industry. I'll put in esports. I found a couple of great people in esports from there. I'll put in a topic I want to talk about, and you know, a whole list of people come up. And candidly, I'm going to give a tip to people who are on Podmatch. You know, your picture is a big deal. 
I, you know, I, my audience is business people. And if you look like a goofball in the picture, I don't care how great your information is, I'm not picking you because I can't take a chance. You know, I, I don't want to waste an hour talking to somebody who's going to, you know, talk about magic tricks they're doing versus how they built a magic business, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, your picture is critical. And then I want to see the, in your, in your bio, and Podmatch is great for this, I want to see in your bio what's in it for the audience. If I find somebody whose bio in Podmatch is all about them, that's probably not going to be a good guest for me. If their bio is all about the benefits to the audience, that's going to be a good guest because they took the time to think through transforming a regular bio into a bio that would resonate with an audience. So I read through the bio and if I, you know, if the bio sparks me to think of half a dozen questions while I'm reading it, I invite that person to to be a guest on the show because I've already got questions for them. It's a it's a natural thing. You know, the preparation I do in advance of the show, usually the day before, I write notes in I, I put my notes in Evernote, I grab the person's bio, I drop it in Evernote, and I think, what do I want to ask this person? And I write down those questions. If the questions come like that, that person's gonna be a good guest because if I have those questions, my audience will have those questions. And that's mm -hmm. what Podmatch allows you to do. In addition, you got to put a, a, a picture up there that is re resized for the podcast. I use a unique photo for each show because now um, sites like Spotify, they let you put a unique image for each show. Yep. If people are scrolling through and they see a really good looking headshot of you, they're more likely to listen to the show. And it's going to be a month before my video guys create a thumbnail. So I got to put something in there. So having a headshot that is that I can use in Podmatch, and the fact that you guys put the media that you can pull right from there is brilliant because we pull it and we put it right in the show. So Podmatch is a service that it's completely free. You can subscribe to it, but the the paid membership is is really it's not expensive on a monthly basis, and the ability you have to leverage all the features is is worth the investment. How did you come up with this idea, Alex? Was it from your own show, trying to get guests on your own show? Yeah, it, it was. First off, thank you for that. That's like super kind that you just kind of went through that. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, well, I mean, anyway. it's, it's my number one tool for getting guests on the show. Thank so. you. <laughs> so when, when I first got started, yeah, I had the same problem. I couldn't find guests. And over time, thankfully, I overcame that like, like most of us will, right? But the, the whole process, even though I overcame it, was still just such a burden because there wasn't the one sheet out there, right? Like you talked about how we have like the media, we have the bio like on there. So I can already, I can just copy paste it now. But back then it was still like, okay, found a guest. Can you send me some pictures? And they're like, oh, I don't have any. I'm like, great. Of course you don't, you know? Like, yeah. And then I'm like, do you have a bio you want me to read off? Like something short. Oh, let me write something up. So it automatically kind of has all that stuff. We just call it a one sheet. It has all that information. You know some great questions to ask. Gives you some ideas for titles and things like that. That's really helpful. And but the idea really actually came when I was I was speaking at a podcasting conference in person. Dave, I don't know if you remember this, but we used to like go to conferences in person mm -hmm. and like shake hands, hug, high five. That was an actual thing that we did as humans. Um, well, we'll anyway, get, we'll get back to that again. We'll, I know we will we'll be back there eventually. Yep. And Florida's basically there. Yeah. So here we are. <laughs> um, so I, I was at this conference and it was a podcasting conference. I was a speaker. And one of my goals while I was there is to ask these different podcasters what they were struggling with. And I, I kind of went in with no agenda. And on one side of the room, I was talking to the podcast hosts that were saying, hey, I can find people in this room who want to be on my podcast, but they're not the right guests. Like you were just talking about like finding the right people. Mm -hmm. 
they were saying, I just can't find the right guest. And on the other side of the room, I was meeting authors that were showing up at this podcasting conference because there's about 2,000 people there, and they don't have a podcast. They only wanted to get on shows. They were course creators. They were authors. They are people with some sort of service they wanted to talk about. And while I was there, I realized I was connecting people. I was saying, oh, I just met someone looking for a guest just like you. Let me go take you over this person and introduce you. And so I started doing all that. And me being as maybe not smart as I always am, I came home with still no idea what problem I could solve for some reason. And I was actually mid-workout. I was, I was holding a kettlebell. And I was out of my back porch because the whole world had shut down at that point. And I was like, it hit me. Like, just out of nowhere, I'm like, I need to connect these people somehow. I'm like... I ran inside of these whiteboards that are behind me right now, and I just whiteboarded the whole idea out. And I realized, I'm like, okay, what if we could build an online dating app that's very similar to that, but instead of connecting people for dates, it's connecting guests and hosts together for podcast interviews that would be a good fit. And it just kind of sparked from there. It was interesting because I launched the, the app with the 100 people that I met at that conference and asked how I could be helping them, and they all said the same thing. Mm. So I launched with those 100 people, and that's kind of how I got my first set of customers, if you will. I, I was like, hey, it won't be pretty when it launches. We're going to start it as early as we can. It's going to be all text. It's not going to be pretty, but it's going to work. And I just need your feedback. And we kind of launched it at that. And it really helped serve those people. And the rest is kind of history at this point. It really is helping solve a need that's out there. And here's the thing. We want a podcast. We don't. I don't want to be in the guest finding business. Like That's not what I signed up for. I signed up to do a show with great people. Right. So if I can help people find great people earlier, man, I'm all for that. Now we're we're running a little over on time, but I, I got a couple more questions. Uh, can you can you stick around just for another few minutes? Yeah, good. Yep, let's do All it. All right, yeah. so let's let's blow up the myth now. You don't have to have Tom Friedman or Colin Powell or you know David Letterman as your guest on every show, right? You you can have, and this is for me. This is the beauty. I love. This is the thing I love the most is you find these experts on really narrow topic areas that people care about and that that's I, that's what I love podmatch for because I can find an expert on anxiety right um you know I struggle with anxiety it's a freaking pandemic there's a lot of people struggling with anxiety so I want to find an anxiety person a person who's an expert on overcoming anxiety issues to have on the show I go into podmatch I plug in anxiety there's you know 25 psychologists that come up I can pick the one that's a really good fit for my audience Tell people, explain to people that you, I, I talked to somebody the other day and she's like, you know, it's really hard for me to find, a, you know, a best-selling author or, you know, somebody who's on the news to, you know, they won't come on my show. People are not interested in hearing only from those folks. They want to hear from the person that they can't find themselves to help them overcome an issue like anxiety. And that's where everybody's expertise is on display in Podmatch. That's where it's really valuable. Help people with the fact that they don't. You don't need somebody who who you just saw interviewed for the fiftieth time on you know uh, uh, Tyler Perry's show or something. Yeah, Dave, this is a really good point that you're bringing up here. Super important. So many of us we kind of get this idea where we need the influencers on our, on our podcast. A few things about that. One, they're not going to share it. You have to you have to know that. I had Seth Godin on my show. Loved meeting him. That was that great free coaching I'd always wanted. Like he's a legend in my book. However, he didn't share it. And I had a podcast episode that came out six months earlier with a guy named Sho Saboyajo. Like he's from Nigeria, shared some great wisdom. That episode is three times more popular than mine with Seth Godin. Seth Godin is an A-list. You have never heard of Safola, who I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. No one has ever heard of him. But the episode resonated really well because it was really good. And he shared it with his audience. It, Seth is not going to share it. And the other thing about having that A-list person on there, the next thing I'll mention is that they've shared that information before that they're going to tell you. It is not the first time they've done it. So example, we have um, right now Matthew McConaughey, who I considered having on my show. I actually talked with his team and just we, we didn't end up doing it. And here's one of the main reasons for that. 
he jumped on a bunch of podcasts right when he let out his his book, uh, Green Lights. And he shared a lot of the same information over and over again. And I actually had audience members being like, oh, I wouldn't listen to the episode if you had him on it because I've already heard him share what he's right. going to share like four and five times on different shows. So not only that, it's not interesting because people have already heard it. And these these people that are A-list, they have what they are going to share down to a T. Like they are going to say the same thing every time. They are trained in that. Getting them out of that rhythm is nearly impossible at this point because they are on autopilot when they are talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. Even if you ask them great questions, they will spin it back to something they've shared before. Um, so that's something to consider. I'm not trying to say don't do it. It's great to have that on every once in a while because it helps you get other guests. Me having Seth Godin has made most people be like, yeah, I'll be on your show for sure. Like, absolutely. But the, the value is in the person that has the most direct answer to the question that your audience has. So they can be an absolute nobody for lack of a determined. I don't believe that anyone's a nobody. Everyone is important. Everyone yeah, is somebody. Everybody's got something valuable to share with the audience. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the whole point is just find the person that's going to bring the best information, have the best conversation, have good synergy with, and don't worry about the name associated with them. Unless, of course, they have done terrible things and then, of course, don't. But they'll share it and they'll be willing to, to, to get it out to their audience as well because they're not doing this a million times a day or anything like that. So I think that that's a little bit of a misconception. You don't need the A-list person. If you can have one or two occasionally, that's fine. That's what I tend to do. But finding the, the person with the real story that people can get into that's really going to be helpful is such a great thing to do, I believe. Now, I want to uh, – one more one more plug for Podmatch. Uh, guesting is, is a great way to grow your audience, and I'm going to have Alex give us his thoughts on guesting. But when it comes to Podmatch, if you want to be a guest, here's my counsel to you. Pay – get the upgraded membership because I'm more likely to get you because you're serious, okay? You know, it doesn't cost a lot of money. It's, you know, go without a, a latte every day for a month and invest that money in getting the upgraded membership to Podmatch because you get a little sticker on your profile and that little sticker, that check mark, tells me that you're committed to this, you invested a couple of bucks, in being a guest and that tells me that you're taking this seriously because anybody can do anything that's free right there's no commitment in throwing up a bio and i've gone after the free guests and they don't respond to me for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks eventually i delete the thread and i forget all about them and then they come back to me oh i just looked at this and you know when was the last time you were on a podcast oh i can't remember yeah i don't think you're going to be a good fit for the hmm. show. So if you're going to make podcast guesting a way for you to grow your business, and you should, Alex is going to tell us why, make sure you invest in the upgraded profile because people will take you more seriously and it's not a big investment. Alex, talk about why guesting is a good strategy for growing your podcast or just growing your business. Yeah, actually, I'll mention one more thing in there too. Guesting is also great if you're planning on launching a show. Mm. One, you can have a little landing page with an email opt-in so you can get people excited about your podcast before it comes out. But also, you can start finding your voice before you even release an episode, which is great. Now, have something to share. Don't just do it to get the experience. Like, you need to be adding value. That's the most important thing. But if you already have a message and you're planning on launching a show, get really good at sharing it. And for me, start on the smaller podcasts. They are just looking for guests and they'll be really gracious and forgiving and, and offer some great advice. And that's how I got started. I just... I did launch my podcast before I started guesting, but when I started guesting, I really started really honing in my voice and getting good at that. And, and here's the thing. So last year, 2020, I was on 100 different people's shows or give or take a couple. And uh, that's how I grew Podmatch. Again, all organic. I grew it through my show and through other people's shows. My call to action was very simple. Go check out podmatch.com. 
And that's, that's exactly what I was doing. I didn't share any more or less than that. I didn't have some fancy sales pitch. I just went on there and shared as much wisdom as I possibly could, just seeking to help somebody. Again, going back to that quote I said earlier, I seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. And I just said, hey, here's a great free resource for you. And we were able to grow to 5,000 members in less than, I guess we're in our seventh month right now. And, and I, I'm very happy with that pace. Podcast guessing is a huge opportunity as well. If you have an actual product or service you're trying to sell, same thing, you can push people to your website all from a place of value, but it's a really great way to get your name out there even faster than your own audience because you're leveraging many other people's audiences. And here's the thing, like Dave is going to share this podcast episode, he's gonna tag me. I get free stuff to share with my audience after this. Like now I have, if I'm like, oh man, it's a Thursday, I have no video to share. I can be like, perfect, I'm gonna share um, Dave's videos. I'm talking in them, like it's me. It's free content, it's a great thing to do. I'm a huge proponent of getting on podcasts as a guest. Again, leading with value, not for any other reason, because a lot of people do have the wrong idea when they get on them, it's gotta be from that place of value, but it is a huge, huge opportunity. And actually a lot of people that are wanting to start shows, I tell them, go guest first and make sure you actually like it. Because you might find that you just don't, or you just love guesting. I have a friend and he's been on a few hundred shows, has no desire to have his own podcast, but he loves going on shows and he adds so much value. He's an author. And he just, I would listen to any podcast he's on because I always feel better after I get off of uh, done listening to it. <laughs> That's, you know, it's, it, and it's so, during the pandemic, it's so therapeutic to talk to another, another uh, human being, you know, have a real conversation with another human being. One more, one more real quick tip, because I know there are professional speakers out there who are listening and I love professional speakers. I help professional speakers build a business beyond speaking from the stage and professional speakers right now are really struggling. If you're an event planner, what you should do is don't go to an agency, and my agency is going to kill me for saying this, don't go to an agency (laughs) to find a speaker. What you should do is go to Podmatch, right? If you don't have a, if you don't have a, um, a podcast yourself, go to Podmatch, find somebody who's got an interesting topic. They post some of the podcasts they've been on right in the Podmatch app or email them through the Podmatch app, message them through the Podmatch app, ask them to send you shows they've been on. If they can spend, like Alex and I have spent an hour and 12 minutes so far talking today, you know if Alex can have a conversation with me, he can wow an audience for 45 minutes, right? Listen to their podcasts, and if you like them, then book them to speak at your event. The worst thing in the world is to have a speaker come, speak at your event. Five minutes later, they leave. They don't spend any time with the audience. You know, they gave great information, but they just just didn't click. Podcasts are a way for you to vet people who are speakers. So if you're a speaker, you got a guest on a ton of shows so people can hear you and see you over and over again. They'll have confidence then that that, that, that you are the person they can put in front of their audience. In this day and age, right now, as we record this, February 18th, uh, 2021, this is going to come out in a couple of weeks, but you may listen to this years later. We're in a pandemic. There is nobody speaking right now. I'm getting booked to do virtual speaking engagements. People don't want to see my speakers real. They want to see me in this environment, right? So I send them a dozen shows that I've been on as a guest. They can watch me on somebody else's show, and they're like, man, this guy can take questions off the cuff. His prepared content is probably really good. They ask me for their prepared content, for the prepared content, and then I send them a video of me speaking. It's the best way to be introduced to a potential speaking gig. All right, Alex, what do people need to do to get on Podmatch? How do they, how do they take advantage of this resource? 
Yeah, you visit podmatch.com. You decide if you're a podcast host, guest, or both even, and those are your options. If you do run an agency, we just launched what's called Podmatch Agency. You'll see that on the homepage as well. And that is if you are representing clients. So if you have 10 authors that work under you or you're doing PR for multiple people in different industries, you can register there as well on that side of things. But that's it. Everything's at podmatch.com. And uh, that's what I do, man. All right. So podmatch.com, if you're starting a show, you're guesting on a show, it's the best resource. There's Look, there's other resources out there, but they're not as good as Podmatch. Look, he's got 5,000 people. If you can't find a freaking guest out of 5,000 people, it's your problem, not his. Um, talk about your, uh, your podcast. How do people get your podcast? Yeah, sure. So creating a brand is my show. And again, it's for entrepreneurs that are early in their journey, trying to make that first or next step in business the right one. And I bring on people that can really help make things happen. And we cover a variety of topics, but it's all around making that step really one that's going to be meaningful for you and your business. You can find all that creatingabrand.com forward slash free. That's where everything I do is at. And uh, and it's a show that I love. I do it every week. I won't be missing it. Uh, it's been a blessing for me. And, and I believe it's helping a lot of people out as well. All right, folks, you just spent an hour and 15 minutes with the godfather of podcasting, Alex Sanfilippo. He's the guy who can get you all your great guests. I want you to go to podmatch, podmatch.com. Sign up there. Sign up for a free account. But if you take this seriously, you got to, and Alex isn't paying me to do this. I'm telling you from experience, you got to get a paid account because I'm not going to take you seriously unless you have a paid account. So go to podmatch.com, get a paid account. I want you to listen to Alex's show, Creating a Brand. All that stuff is in the show notes if you need it. You really don't need it. Just go to your phone right now. Go Creating a Brand and subscribe. Go to Podmatch, bookmark it so you can set up your own profile. This is These are the basics if you want to be into podcasting. My guest today was Alex Sanfilippo. This is the Inside BS Show. We take you inside business strategy, share all the insider business secrets with you, and we cut through all the inside BS that's holding you back. Join me back here again tomorrow. Yes, I said tomorrow for another great show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. I mean, come on, people. I need some more iTunes reviews, so step up and leave me a review. Copy and paste the review and send it to me at askdave@dlorenzo.com. Send me that review and I will send you something as a surprise. It'll be something that helps you make money, save money, or reduce the risk in your business. And it may just be a $25 book. So leave me a review and send me the copy of the review at askdave@dlorenzo.com. See you back here again tomorrow, folks. Thanks for listening. Until tomorrow, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.